says in the passage we read that we are to have dominion over the earth. We are moral. When we speak of moral behavior, of something being right or wrong, we don't speak in terms of animals. We speak in terms of humans. Animals don't have to apologize to each other. No animal stays awake at night bothered about a troubled conscience that they've done something wrong. That's a characteristic. The, the, the idea of conscience is an attribute that we share with God. Or, the, excuse me, the attribute of, of morality, that we have a conscience because we have a, a moral capacity. Uh, love, freedom, uh, that we are free moral agents that, with the ability to exercise dominion, righteousness, holiness. All these things are communicable attributes that God allows us as his creatures in his image to share with him. So to be made in the image of God means that we share in his communicable attributes with him. It also means that there's a part of you that God made that relates directly to him. It's called your spirit. You have the bandwidth, the capacity to have relationship with God that animals do not have. Why? Because you are made in the image of God. Every person has that, that capacity. It's called your spirit or your, or, or your soul, depending on how you divide that up theologically. Um, but there are, there are uh, things about being made in God's image that we share with God and are true of us because we are made in God's image. So what difference does it make? It's great. We can all agree we were made in the image of God, had a good Sunday. It was good to be at Restoration. Let's go home. Let's go over and eat. But what difference is that going to make in the way you live or the way you think, the way I live and the way I think? What are the implications for that? Let me share a couple of those as kind of some takeaways for us today as we embrace the truth that human life is sacred because we are made in the image of God. We, We understand that. We celebrate that. But what difference will that make? Number one. It will impact the way that we protect the vulnerable. At at Lifeline Children's Services, the ministry where I work, we are profoundly pro-life. In fact, our ministry was birthed over three decades ago through the pro-life movement. There was a women's pregnancy center in Birmingham, and many of these women were choosing not to abort to carry their baby to term, but then life circumstances were not allowing these women to be able to parent And there was no alternative for them. And the director of that women's center and some other Christian leaders in Birmingham said, we need to provide an option, an alternative for women that are going to choose life for their child, but are not going to be able to parent. And so we began providing adoption services through Lifeline Children's Services in Birmingham back in 1981. And it was birthed out of the concern and the value of being pro-life. Why? Because humans, even unborn humans, are made in the image of God. Look at Psalm 139, beginning in verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. We stand up for and speak up for the vulnerable because every human is made in the image of God. The unborn, the infirm, the elderly, the victimized, the marginalized, all are 
image bearers of God. That's why the verse we read in in Genesis chapter 9 verse 6 speaks of uh, capital punishment because man is made in the image of God. We protect the vulnerable. We protect those who um, are oppressed because they bear the image of God. That should be one of the ramifications of the truth that we embrace, that we're made in the image of God. If we're made in the image of God, then we must protect the vulnerable because they are made in the image of God as well. Secondly, it means that we treat each other with grace. We treat each other with grace. Look at Psalm chapter 8, beginning in verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Everybody bears the image of God and therefore we ought to treat each other with civility and kindness. It's never Christ-like to be uncivil to someone else. We should respond to others with grace. Why? Because they are the image bearers of God. doesn't mean we agree with everything they say. doesn't mean that we have to be on the same page Politically, or we all have to be for the same candidate, or we all have to vote the same way. There certainly is is room for disagreement uh, of, of of opinions, but never in a way that is unkind or uncivil. The people that we speak against, many times, uh, when we speak in a in an unkind way, when we are mean spirited, we are violating the fact that that person is made in the image of God. We can be strong, and we can be bold, and we can be opinionated, and we can hold to our our values and to our beliefs. But that doesn't give us the right to be mean-spirited or unkind or violent to those that might be different from us or disagree with us. Every person, whether they are a believer or an unbeliever, should be treated with dignity and civility and honor because they bear the image of God. That doesn't mean that we're not to execute justice. You break into my house in the middle of the night, try to attack my family, I'm coming after you. <laughs> I have the right to do that. Doesn't mean that I'm violating the fact that you bear the image of God. Justice is a fitting response. But being mean and unkind and uncivil is not. And so much of what we see on social media today is is uncivil, even from Christian, uh, the, the keyboards of Christians, if you will. Uh, But the fact that I believe you are created in the image of God means that I will refrain from adultery or recreational sex or promiscuity. The fact that I believe that you are created in the image of God means that I will avoid pornography. The fact that I believe you are made in the image of God means that I do not have the right to express road rage. The fact that I believe you are in the image of God means that I do not have the right to be racially prejudiced the fact that i believe you are made in the image of god does not give me the right to abuse you or to commit violence against you it means that we're going to be gracious in the way we deal with each other why because that person that i don't like that i don't agree with still bears in their being the image of god and as a christ follower i must respond to that person with grace Another ramification it means for us, an implication for how we think and how we live, is uh, that we are to preside over creation in dominion. Again, not exalting nature to the place of worship, 
but not ex- ignoring our stewardship of natural resources. Instead, being wise, benefiting from those resources in a way that is responsible. Here's something else I want you to think about. When we think about bearing the image of God, because you bear the image of God and because I do, because my wife bears the image of God and I bear the image of God, we are able to preserve a picture of Christ and the church through our marriages. Have you ever thought about that? That being made in the image of God has ramifications for your marriage? I'm not going to spend long here because there are a lot of rabbits to chase, especially with this verse that I want to read to you. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Talking about public corporate worship, Paul says, A man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. And the passage is telling us that women ought to cover their heads and... I am not going to chase that rabbit. I'm not going to deal with with, um, the issue of head coverings today. But Lars told us that this week community groups are starting. So you should go to your community group and you should ask your community group leader, hey, explain that whole thing about women head coverings in Corinthians and they'll be happy. to." Or better yet, email our pastor that question. He'll be happy to address that this week. But the Bible does teach a complementarian view of biblical manhood and womanhood as opposed to the culture's view of an egalitarian view. Basically, what that means is that the headship of man in the home is woven into the fabric of human society by the order of creation and by the reality that both men and women are created in the image of God. And our marriages reflect that when we value and embrace the truth that our spouse is an image bearer of God. That puts our marriage on display to the world. This is how Christ relates to the church because we are made in his image. And finally, last implication of being made in God's image as we walk out of here today, we walk into a world, we walk into neighborhoods and jobs, we walk into a theater where other people that are coming to watch movies today bear God's image but do not know him personally. So how we pursue the gospel ought to be impacted by the fact that those people need to know Christ because they are image bearers of God. Here's what happened. When man sinned in the Garden of Eden, a couple of chapters after our passage that we read in Genesis 1, we get to Genesis chapter 3, man falls and sins and rebels against God. Man who was made in God's image sins. What happened? When man sinned, that image of God in man was broken. It wasn't destroyed, it wasn't eradicated, but it was marred. It was now corrupted by sin. And what happens when you come to Christ and when I come to Christ in salvation is that image of God in us is redeemed, it is restored, it is renewed. And all around Port Orange today, there are people that are bearing the image of God in a way that's broken and marred by sin. And they need to know the Lord. Because only Christ can redeem and restore and renew that image of God that they bear. Otherwise, it is a broken, corrupted version of who God is and what he's like. They need to know the Lord. It's, very, it's woven into the very foundational truth that they bear the image of God. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Paul tells us to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. When we become a new creation in Christ, that new self, God restores and renews that righteousness and holiness, that image of God that he originally created us with. 
Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10. Uh, Paul says, You've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. When you got saved, if you're a believer here this morning, you became a new person. A new person in this sense, that that image of God that was broken and marred has now been restored and redeemed and renewed. And there are people in our families, there are people that live on your street, that work in your office, that are in your classroom, that don't know the Lord. Their image of God is broken and marred and distorted and corrupted, and they need to know the Lord. And maybe you're here today, and you've come on Sanctity of Human Life Day, and you understand what the Bible is saying, that human life is sacred, but that image of God in you has been destroyed, or not destroyed, but corrupted and marred by sin. Friend, I want to tell you today that if you'll turn from your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ, that image will be renewed and restored and redeemed. And I invite you today to come to Christ, to give your life to him, to place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you do, here's what will happen. Your sins will be forgiven. He will make you to be his child, his son, his daughter. He'll redeem and renew and restore his image in you. And one day when you die, he'll take you home to heaven to be with him forever and ever. Michael Horton is a theologian uh, that I enjoy reading, and Michael Horton said this, It's only when we more fully appreciate the majesty of humanity as God's creation that we can adequately weigh the horror of the fall. Sin has corrupted who God meant for us to be. And God made us to be. And only God can redeem and restore and renew that. And he's, he offers that to us today through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your goodness in creating us. You didn't have to. You weren't obligated to. And yet you desired to because it brings you glory. And so, Father, we, as your image bearers today, want to be a reflection of your goodness and your grace and your glory. And so help us, Lord, to, to live as image bearers. Help us to reflect your righteousness. Help us to uh, treat each other with kindness and civility, even those that we don't necessarily enjoy being with or agree with. Help us to treat others with a kindness and a civility because they are image bearers of God as well. Rid us of prejudice in our heart. Rid us of lust in our heart. Rid us of things that, that defraud others uh, as image bearers of God and help us to, to worship you, not by worshiping the created world, but by recognizing that you have made us in a very unique way and for a very unique purpose. And Father, may there be the opportunity this week for us to speak a word of witness for the sake of the gospel to those who bear the image of God, but that image has become marred and broken and corrupted. And may you use us as a means that you draw them to yourself through salvation. And we pray this to the glory of your great name. Amen.